I know the word of the Lord has a, has a powerful instruction for us tonight. I pray that your heart and my heart receives it. Isn't that amazing how the same word can affect people on the same pew differently? But it's all about the heart. It's about my heart. And that doesn't take responsibility off of me to pray and prepare and seek the face of God. But still, the soil is the determining factor. Stones make the soil not to do much. And, 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 and a lot of thorns choke it out. But the Word of God has a powerful ability to change your life. I am believing, praying, expecting that you're going to say, after this evening, I felt God's hand like never before in my life. I felt encouragement of the Holy Ghost. I felt the Lord speaking to my life. I'm believing that. I want you to expect that. We've been hearing a lot about, unfortunately, too much about COVID-19. Everybody knows all about it. Everybody knows all about the virus. And we have different opinions about it. But an amazing thing occurred to me that that virus, for the most part, is only effective in your really main three entrance places in your body, in your eyes, in your ears, and your mouth. You could take your hand and plunge it into a jar full of COVID-19 virus. As long as you didn't have any breaks in your hand, you wouldn't get it. Now, you'd want to wash with surgical carefulness afterwards so you wouldn't pass it, but... What happens is that virus has to come through those portals of your eyes and your nose and your mouth. It's got, it's got to come that way. Except for breaks in your skin, that's how you get it. That's why they talk so much about washing your hands. We all should wash our hands and be careful. Um, but, you know, the real reason with washing your hands, the problem is they say you touch your face 16 times, roughly an hour. And now that I've just said that, you'll be doing what I what, touch your face 16 times in the next minute. Just because it's like, don't touch my face. If I say that, you'll have an, uh, just an itch, a desire to do something. Touch your face. Touch my face. I begin to think about that. These are the weak places in your body. These are the places you have to protect, right? Are you with me? Everybody here, you're alive? Okay. All right. And the same principle is found in the Word of God. The weakest points in protection of any city are the gates. It's always the, pla- the, the place that you either control who comes in, yes, you can come in, or deny, no, you can't come in. That's why when Nehemiah heard the gates are burned with fire, that meant there's really not going to be any city, there's no safety. Bandits can come in. Wild animals can run in. There's nothing you can do until there's gates are put back up and are strong. Now, I want you to look at this in Matthew chapter 15. It mentions that Jesus says that what goes into a man is not important. Now, I'm not talking about eating a lot of bad junk food and candy. I hope you understand. That's not what Jesus is saying. But Jesus said... What goes in that man goes into his belly, goes out the sewer. It's just, it's not important what he eats. But he said, here's what defiles a man, or that word is understood as to make you unclean, profane, 
pollute him. Defiling a man is what comes out of the mouth that comes out of the heart. Those things make the man or woman dirty, spiritually so. Makes them defiled, polluted, unclean. Look at what the words he said. From that heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. That doesn't mean Jesus sanctioned filling our eyes and ears with garbage. And I know there's a way to talk about gates in that fashion, protection of the gates. But there's incredible power concerning what comes out of you. That's the gateway I'm talking about. There's an incredible power concerning what comes out of your mouth. Jesus said it. You eat shrimp or catfish or you eat the cleanest cage-free chicken that had a nickname that people loved and were part of the family. Or you eat the chicken that nobody loved and wasn't part of anybody's family and made in produced factory, whatever. Obviously, those two aren't the same. But it's what comes out of your mouth that makes you uncommon, unclean. Okay? It's so, it's so powerful if you understand it. That means you, just you, somebody say me, you control this gateway and what comes out of it. It's very important. Understand that. Very important. You can speak hurt. You can encourage frustrations. You can review bitter events. You can talk about bad news, and all of us love to do that. Those very few good news internet channels and very few good news newspapers or magazines mostly go out of business. People do not want to know about good news. It's difficult, very, very hard to sell good news. It's very difficult to encourage good news on Facebook. How many people post on Facebook, I am thankful that today was a great day. I have no strong opinions about anything. <laughs> no one. No one. We don't want to know that. We don't know what the bad news is. Because that's what people comes out of their mouth. And that defiles you. It makes you corrupt. It makes you polluted. When you mentally chew and bite on other believers, when you speak hopelessness about your situation, about your family, about your job, about your life, about your future, about your church, about your passion as wife, about the things around you, you are giving praise and worship to the wrong things. This is setting an atmosphere for your life. And nobody can change that for you. Now, Brother Grant had a wonderful message Sunday. He mentioned about praise. I noticed during his message, did you notice this? I was sitting over there. I noticed at the beginning, it said, Brother Grant Doherty. About the middle of his message, it said, Reverend Grant Doherty. I told him at the service, I said, Grant, you've had an upgrade. You've you got another tier level. You went up. I said, now I'm trying to think what the next tier level is. Most Reverend Grant Doherty. And I said, you know what, actually, what is your middle initial? He said, T. I said, okay. I know what the final. I don't, you're, not big in, you're not ready for this, and the church's not ready for this. But Reverend G.T. Doherty. <laughs> Woo! We get to that level. Fire from heaven. Come on down, Lord. Settle among us. I love that. Oh, I just love it. 
Feel the Lord in it. But he's talking about praise, and of course, mention one of the hot spots of Scripture that we like to touch on. We get in Acts 16. We have Paul and Silas in a Roman jail. Their Bible says, after being beat, being falsely accused, accused with vague accusations. Read those accusations. They're just vague. And we find them, their Bible, the Bible says that their feet were in stocks. That is not a comfortable situation. That's painful, and some commentators say that they can adjust those stocks to cause more muscle cramping and more pain. We have backs that are literally split open, bleeding. We have their feet in stocks. Now here, think about this, because this is an application for all of our life. There's only one translation of the Bible. That's a story, and that's happened. Multiple applications. I want to apply that to this situation. What could they talk about? You could say, hey, look, Paul, I'm just a realist. Let's talk about what's real. All right. We're going to talk about what's real. I went to do good, and I suffered bad for it. I, uh, what I do? I helped a young girl that was demon-possessed, and I got beat for it. Um, God said he would be with me and never, never forsake me. I don't know if this is what it means. It don't seem like he's around. Let's just be real. Or let's just be honest. I'm not going to say something that's dishonest. Well, I'm in pain. I'm hurting. My back hurts. This place stinks. This is not an American prison. It's all somewhat clean, and they've got a few rights. I don't have any rights. No one's been kind to me. There's darkness. It's blackness. It's, just, it's horrible. I'm not gonna, I have no idea about, about any other conditions, whether it's bugs or problems. It was probably a difficult time. The Bible does not say that they glorified that situation or talked about how bad it was. They sang praises. What did they sing? I don't know. I can think of something like this. It's like, Lord, I love you, and you love me. Somehow you're working this out for my good. Some way, Lord, your hand's on my life. God, you've never failed me. you never forsaken me. Something built in that situation that literally caused prisoners to hear them. Before God moved, other people heard about it. It makes me excited to think there are people here right now that say, I've had some vague accusations. I, I, I've done good and got bad for it. I've tried and things not work out right. I've ministered and no one knew about it. I, I, loved, I loved and they didn't love me back. You know what that makes you want to do? I want to echo them and begin to make my mouth this gateway instead of pouring out frustration. Pour praise to God. God, you're with me. Your hand's upon me. Your anointing's on my life. You are a dependable rock. You're an awesome king I can count on. Oh, that's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the power of the gateway that you have. This is supposed to be teaching, not preaching. It's supposed to be telling, not, in, not so inspired. I need to like, dial it back. Wow. Okay. I haven't even gotten to what I'm supposed to talk about. You can fill up your habitat with the words of God. Max is working right now at, I didn't even know it existed. We've got this thing over there on Deming Park that where they've got snakes and turtles and all kinds of stuff. Anybody been over there? What's that called? The, see the four people? Yes. And, and he has to take care of them. They all have a certain thing they got to eat. Snakes got to eat on Tuesday. 
The salamanders got to eat a different day. They want the worms. There's a ha- It's very important. You get these habitats crossed, and you have creatures that are dying, right? Some got to have it dry. Some got to have it wet. Some got to have it just water. It's important, right? The Bible says this in Psalm 24. Lift up your gates. Lift up, lift up, O you gates, and let the king glory come in. I'm sorry. Let me get the right phrase. I apologize. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be ye lifted up, your everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Now, what are we talking about? This is the gate I'm talking about. Open this gate up, and the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads. Where is the head at when the psalmist is talking? Well, the head's down. Well, the head is down like this. The head is depressed. The head's frustrated. The head is looking down. The head is focusing down. Lift it up right there on the mighty king of glory. Lift them up, your everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? It's the Lord of hosts. That phrase, of course, means the captain of the angel armies. He is the king of glory, Selah. We serve a mighty God, and you have an opening right now to say, Lord, in, despite all the bad, I am going to praise you with my mouth. It doesn't have to be a song service or a praise time or a special sanction situation or ability. You simply say, Lord, I love you. I believe you. I trust you beyond what I see. I might be in darkness, but you are light to my life. I might be in a place where I don't know how it's going to work out, but you have a plan. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now I want, I have one more scripture. Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. And these four words really grab my attention and what the Lord told me. Hosea chapter 14. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. So they got themselves in trouble. Anybody can join that group? I have gotten myself in trouble many times. Anybody's done anything you said you wish you hadn't done, said what you wish you hadn't said, been where you wish you hadn't been? Yes, okay. This is, the, this is the message to us that the Lord gave to them. Take with you words. Take with you words. Go pick up some words. Take with you words. Now, I, I love that phrase. It's not just, he didn't just say, Turn to the Lord, or go to church, or go to go to go to prayer somewhere, or go to pray service. No, take words and go to those places. Take with you words and speak. You say to him out of your mouth, "Take away all our iniquity, and receive us graciously." Now that last phrase is strange. So we will render the calves of our lips. That's the same kind of idea as our praise, our worship, our petition, our intercession can be a sacrifice. Before God, this can be as costly to us as killing one of those prized bull calves and giving to the Lord. It may cost you something. You say, I don't feel that way, Brother Scott. You don't understand. I'm in a bad spot right now. I'm in a dark place. Things have not worked out the way I thought they should be. This is not how, it's not, I don't feel the Holy Ghost stirring me right now. I feel anointing. The Bible says, You're going to give a sacrifice with your mouth. You're going to say, Lord, you are a great king. You're an awesome God. 
You are the ruler over all the earth. And everything I'm experiencing, you have your hand in. You're directing my life. I am not lost to you. I am not in lost and found, waiting for you to figure out where you put me last. You have your hand upon my life. You're with me. Whether I can find you right around me, you're here. Oh, Lord, take with you words. There's a power in that. There's a power in actually writing down some words. A power in actually putting some words in your mouth saying, I'm going to take this word to the Lord. I'm going to take this phrase to the Lord. Now, I'm finally at the place I want to be. I'm going to tell you a story. That, that took a little while, didn't it? <laughs> but I had to go there before I can go here. Now, the story is of a guy named Hanun. Hanun. I don't know, that doesn't sound like a story I've heard much about or songs about or a name I've heard much about. But you'll find him in 2 Samuel 10 as 1 Chronicles 19. They're very similar chapters. This is a study in gateways. Study in gateways. So the chapter starts with kindness and favor. It ends with bloodshed, loss of a kingdom. Here's the way the whole thing worked out. Hanun's dad was kind to David. Not sure what he did, but he in some way was kind to David. Maybe he protected him when he was hiding from Saul. Maybe he took care of David's family when David was in a cave. I don't know. He was kind to him. There was kindness there. So the dad dies, and Hanun, his son, becomes king. And David said, that man was kind to me. I want to be kind to his son. I'm going to send my, some of my men go there and just express my sorrow and loss of his dad. I want to show him some kindness. And so they did. They're in the city. Now Hanun's advisors came to him and said, Oh, king, do you think those guys really came from David to show you kindness and be friendly? And uh, just encourage you, do you, th you, come on, come on. You know what they're thinking. You know what they're thinking when they said what they said, but you, they didn't say what you know what they were thinking about what they should have said. You know what I'm saying? About what I'm not saying? Yeah, you know? No, yeah. You ever have that? You ever have those thoughts? Someone's saying something, but you're thinking, hmm, yeah, but what do they mean by what they're saying? Or what, what was that supposed to mean? I'll tell you, for me right now, I am, that's way too, that's beyond me. I, if I say it, I most likely meant it. If I, if I, you got to mean I didn't mean, then I wasn't, I didn't know to think about that. That doesn't mean I am beyond reproach. I am the opposite of that. I need the Lord Jesus more than anybody in the building. But I, I don't know how to do that very well, and I'm not, you know, of that lineage of the female race. No, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway. I should, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. I'm in trouble. But, but they said, they said, you think these guys are here because they're just so, everything's so lovely and, you know, butterflies and, and candy canes and they just love you? No. And they said, no, no, no. David sent them to spy out this city and this land because he's going to come and overthrow this city. Now, that is a horrible word to hear. But the king still has an ability to make a choice of those words. He can say, no, 
I, I, I know David's not like that. He is miles away. He's not talking to me personally. I haven't heard a word from him exactly, but I know David's not like that. I know it's not, that's not his heart. That's not what he would do. I don't think David's doing that. I'm going to trust David. But he didn't do that. He believed those advisors. The Bible says he took the men, shaved their beards, which is a form of great disrespect in those times, cut their clothes so the nakedness was apparent, and sent them out. When David heard about it, he said, stay in that halfway point where you're at. Wait there till your beards grow back. Now, uh-oh, dawning realization. Hanan and his advisors, people realize, ooh, David's upset. We're in trouble. We're, he's going to, now here's another jump. David did not declare war. But they pretty much said, David's going to. He's going to destroy us. David's going to kill us. We've made ourselves a stink. That's the Bible concept. And the nostrils of David. So they didn't have really enough armament and forces to fight. So they hired people to come and help them fight. And on the day of battle, surprise, surprise, the hired people ran off first. <laughs> would you guess that would happen? They hired some more people. It didn't work out very well. End of the story, people have died, there's bloodshed, and the king is kicked off the throne, and David's wearing his crown. All right, so what is the message to you and I today? You and I are the king. We're King Hanan. We're king of our life and our decisions. Our advisors are thoughts. Those things that come at us, feelings, impressions, and etc., what are we going to do with them? I control this one gateway. I control what comes out of it. I can confess evil. I can confess what the enemy's whispering. I can confess what the enemy wants to do. I can confess how bad everything is, or I can confess the words of God. I know him. He's not here right now in front of me. I know his heart. I know God is for me. And then who can be against me? I know God loves me. I know God's hands on my life. I know he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Woo! That's powerful. He allowed in those fears, those worries, and out of his gateway came an amen to evil advisors. It came, yeah, I concur. I agree. Mm -hmm. Remember, those conclusions of those advisors show what was in their own heart and who they trusted. The thief is always worried that someone's going to steal from them. Yeah, it's just true. It is. The liar believes every phrase you say, well, maybe you're not telling the truth. The Bible says the wicked flee. They're up and running, and no man's pursuing. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. And why? Because they have nothing to worry about. Wow. You, here's what I want you to get. You have ability tonight to say out of your mouth things that are the gospel truth, literally the gospel truth. Even if you cannot prove them, you can say, God's hands on my life. I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. He's hearing me. God's put his hands around me. I am surrounded, whether I can see it or not, of songs of deliverance. They surround me. He's captured me. He loves me. He wants the best for me. He wants better for me than I want for myself. I can truly say to Paul, before the, the good news happened, I can say, Paul, I don't know what God is doing. 
You're right. It doesn't make sense. You did all these good things, and now you're here in a bad place. I don't know why that is. I don't know why some of you could say, what is God doing? But I haven't got to the end of the story. All I can tell you right now for sure is you can decide what this gateway is going to produce. You can decide what comes out of this mouth. Will it be blessing to the Lord? And you know what's amazing? There is literally an explosive thing that you have power over, and it's not at your good times. It's not when things are great. It's when you have done good and evil came of it. When your mouth begins to speak the praises of God, that's when prisoners listen. That's when prisoners hear. That's when the world hears. That's when those who sit in darkness hear. Not when everything is great for you and they say, well, I want to go to your church because you're awesome and you're on top of cloud nine and you never have any problems. The Bible doesn't say that we get one of those golden tickets out of the Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, right? There isn't any... There's anybody that should be telling you that. That's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible that everyone will be healed. It's not. It's not in the Bible that everyone will be right at. But according to God, this is a short term, and eternity is his, his sight. He sees it a different way, doesn't he? Yes. So what are you going to convince your mouth to say? What will your mouth say? Whose report will you believe? What will you say? So I will say this to you. I was followed here to service tonight. I was. I was, I actually, I haven't been able to shake them all week long. I've been chased for the past several days. I've got two twin dogs, hunting dogs, as it were, on my trail. And I can't seem to do, no matter what I do, I can't get rid of them. The Bible says it like this. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I, 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 I make wrong choices, and I look behind me, and there's mercy still there. I run into trouble, and there's goodness right there. I, it seems, this does not make sense. It's like, Lord, I, why do you care so much for me? Why do you love me? I don't deserve it. But that's why it's called mercy, because I don't deserve it. And the goodness of the Lord has kept my life. There are things you and I will not even know until we get to heaven. And we'll say, there, I thought I was having a hard time, but that was the goodness of the Lord. And that situation, I didn't see you and I called, but that was the goodness of the Lord. And this time, Lord, I didn't know that was the goodness of the Lord. Oh, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I want you to just take a moment right now with me. I want you to think about this. You, you've got to translate this beyond simple information. Information will not help you. Information will not help you unless you act on the information. The Bible's been available to everybody around the globe in all different kinds of places and not help them. You have to act on the information. The devils believe there's one God. That doesn't mean they've had faith. Faith takes action. Belief is a mental agreement. I agree. There is one God. They tremble even. That doesn't mean they're saved, right? Because it takes saving faith is an act, action. You must take action. You and I must take action. We must take the action of the word of God and say, okay, thank you, Lord, for this word. I'm going to put it to use. This is life to you. This is actually the root of prayer and relationship with Jesus Christ. Start any time off with him with telling him what you know about him do true. Lord, Thank you that, like the sun is risen this morning, Lord, your hand is on my life. 
Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. My soul, Lord, knows so well that you're kind and merciful and good to me. I remember, Lord, your great kindness to me. I remember your hand upon my life. I want you to try some of these right now with me. Just pick one. Jesus, you're with me. Or Jesus, you see me. Jesus, your hand's on my life. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. You're in this room, Almighty God. You listen to every cry. Yeah, I want you right now. Close your eyes and try them right now. Jesus, you're with me. Jesus, you're in this room. Jesus, you're in my situation. Lord, every darkness I go into, you're already there, Lord. If I'm in a prison, Lord, and it hurts, Lord, in bed, you're already there. If I'm in a place I, I don't even know how to figure it out, you're, you have your hand on my life. Lord, you've got your hand on my life. You're with me, Lord. You're here right now. Lord, you fill me with the Holy Ghost. That means no matter what I think about myself, you call me holy because your Holy Ghost is in me. At the moment of my repentance, I am pure and clean and blameless because you said I make all things new. Oh, Lord Jesus, I want to walk in that. I want to be in that. Jesus, you're in this place. Jesus, your hand of anointing upon my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just take a few seconds right now. Make your gateway pour out confession. Make your gateway pour out confession. I confess that I'm up, Lord Jesus. Even when I don't see you, you're with me. Even when I cannot find you, you're here before me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For some reason, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm reminded of a story I was told. Um, a couple stories, actually. My dad bought a, um, a car, I think it was a used car, right before I was born. Um, sometime in that time frame. And Jeffrey, I think it was a Volant, is that right? V-A-L-I-N-T, does that sound like a... Does that even sound like a, a car? What's that, Valiant? Valiant, thank you. My brain and my mouth don't go together sometimes. Valiant. I believe he paid roughly $2,000. I know it was a lot of money, you know, splurged. I think that was it. And I, I looked up um, cars from 1965, uh, around that time frame, and I think I saw that one in perfect condition around 30000 I think that's what it was. Is now if you want to buy it, and maybe more. It depends on all the you know features and pluses and all the stuff you get. But that's about the base price thirty. They think they go up to forty five. And I I can imagine how shocking it would be for my dad at that time to have been told your car if, if you just leave it, if you just park it, don't drive it, don't get an accident, don't get rust on it. Don't be, you know, getting down, down St. Louis and getting a, a fender bender. If you just put it somewhere, it'll be worth 15 times what you paid for it. That's a lot of money. I mean, some people in this church have, what, $20,000 cars, 30, 40, 15 times. That's a lot of money. We're talking about a half a million dollars for your car. Some of you right now would say, kids, don't get in it. It's, it's worth half a million. Don't touch it. Now you have to wait, you know. 50 years, but it'll be worth it. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be worth it. I don't know. The funny thing is, those cars are not worth $2,000 
because that's how much it costs to make them, right? No one says, no, no, I'm not paying you $35,000 on this car. It only costs $2,000 to make it. Why would they pay so much more for a car that only costs that much to make? That doesn't make sense. Do you know why? Because value isn't what it costs. Value is worth what someone's willing to give, right? So if someone says, no, it's worth 250000 then that's what it is, what someone's willing to give. I've been in lots and lots and lots of houses where they're having yard sales, estate sales, dad's gone, grandpa died. I was in a place where this week they had so many fishing lures on the wall. I mean, just handmade fishing lures, probably 400 of them, maybe 350. And they were marked with, looked $5 for this one and 250 for that one, and oh, it's so much stuff. And of course, I, I, I don't want a fishing lure. I mean, I'd like to catch fish if they, the fish will comply and they'll come when I call them and we'll go home. That'd be good. But otherwise, I don't want to do that business. But why is it worth that to someone? Because the value is not what it costs the man. It's what it's worth to the person, how much money they pay for it. Understand this. There's nothing more valuable in this universe to the Lord than laying down his own life and his own blood for you. You have infinite value to him. That's why he said, all the souls are mine. You belong to him. It matters. Your life matters to God. Now, it doesn't mean your bucket list matters to him or how you want it to work out matters to him. He may lead you to the prison to have the earthquake, but you matter to him. You're valuable. Your value is equal by how much he had to pay for you. You understand that? That is an incredible value. I can't, you can't get high enough. There's no way to account for that. That's how much God cares about you. And don't you dare say he cares for the church in total and doesn't really care about me individually. Because the Bible says, I will leave the 99 and go find that one lost sheep. Amen. You have a powerful God. What, what is it about it that does something to our hearts and even the atmosphere itself? When people begin to talk about things they've seen God do, just a list of miracles, or just a remembrance of miracles, or just begin to speak about the works of God. What, what is it that makes the atmosphere just change? It's like the Holy Ghost is like popping and things are going, and you just want to pray and want to believe. What is that? You're making a habitat for the Lord. Out of your mouth, you're speaking the praises of God. You're doing, David says, I will speak of your praises and your mighty works. I will declare all your works into the whole congregation. There's something about that. You have the ability in your mouth to begin to repeat what God has done for you. You can. Now, the thing, the story that's told to me that I don't know personally was mom and dad were newly married, and they had a revival in their church. A man by the name of Scotty Teets came and preached the revival. He was a young man, he and his wife. Dad told me that Brother, Brother Scotty said to all the young men, he said, would you guys like to have a revival like you'd never seen before? And they said, yeah. He said, well, here, i tell you what I want to do. Here's a challenge for you. I know all you guys are working men, got families, or young. Every night of the week, after you get off work, after you get your families in bed, all your kids in bed, 
Come back here to the church. Meet me for one hour prayer. It'll be late. It might be 11, maybe midnight. Meet me here. We'll just pray. What's amazing is nothing seemed to happen during those prayer meetings. It's kind of like, ah, you know, people groaning in their seat and praying and someone over here. But something happened in those services. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Amazing things. Miraculous things. The Holy Ghost moved. And there was prophetic words and things were happening. Oh, my mom was very new in Pentecost and pregnant with me. And she came to the altar. And the evangelist, Brother Scotty Tees, came and said, I want to pray for you, Sister Rosalie. He had met mom and dad. And dad took him around town a little bit, a little chauffeuring. And she said, no, no, Brother, brother uh, Tees, don't pray for me. I want you to pray for this baby that I'm carrying. I want you to pray that you'd be anointed of God, that he'd be a man of prayer. I want you to pray for him. So she, he put his hand on my mom's head and prayed for me. I have no, obviously, knowledge of that. But I know in my heart, even though I don't know about that, I know in my spirit that something happened in me. There is, and sometimes I have to remind myself, Scott, you're a man of prayer. You've got to, you've got to let your mouth open up and speak the words of God. You've got to pray over the situation. You're going to change things by your praying. You're going to open your mouth and God's going to work a work. I know it seems impossible and it seems dark and it's not happening right now. God is working. God is still working. God is behind the scenes. I want you to understand, you have a story like that. Every one of you have a word of God in your mouth you can say. The night you got the Holy Ghost. That time you were praying and the Lord spoke to you. That time you had that vision. The moment the Holy Ghost moving through the house or through that prayer meeting or at the front of the church or the time you were baptized. You can speak about that and say, Lord, out of my mouth, out of this gateway, I'm going to put the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say the words of God. I'm going to speak holy, anointed words that will change this situation. Come on, someone, just right now. Give a praise to the Lord. I love you, Lord. I feel your spirit right now. You're in this place. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord.